Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Hey guys, uh, so we are back for episode four of Minor Wisdom. Uh, this week we have Hal Bowman on and Jay Thomas. Hal Bowman is a very motivational speaker, very energetic motivational speaker that has been teaching or was teaching for 20 years, has a ton of amazing stories from his time in the classroom, very comedic, uh, very <clears throat> uplifting message that he has to kind of keep the teacher going. He mentioned that when he does these speeches at, you know, convocation at the beginning of the year, that it just doesn't have the same type of message. You you hear him talk about that. Uh, but uh, he just came out to our school a couple weeks ago and gave a great speech, an all-day, eight-hour speech, pretty much. And it wasn't boring. It was engaging. Everybody was looking up at him. Everybody was going along with him in his packet. Uh, had some great stories and some some statistics even of how to be more engaging with your students, to make the classroom more interesting, to make relationships more interesting. And it was just a really, really fun time. So Hal reached out to me to come up to my school and actually film something for him, uh, uh, for his website. That'll be coming out pretty soon on HalBowman.com. A really great opportunity for teachers as well. And I practically made him answer a couple questions for the podcast, and he was gracious enough to do that. He spent just a couple minutes, but afterwards he made sure to let me know that if we ever have some time in the future to sit down and just uh, talk about education, then we're going to do it. Also this week, there are a couple new segments coming up. We've got the Groner Joke and a Soapbox segment. We've also got a segment... And by we, I mean I, uh, have a segment with some students, got some students together to answer some questions from their perspective. Uh, you'll kind of get a taste of that in just a little bit. First, we've got this groaner joke of the week. When the groaner joke of the week happens, you're going to hear something like this. Followed by a joke. And this week's joke is... Student walks up to a teacher... Student says, teacher, would you ever punish me for something I didn't do? Teacher says, of course not, little buddy. I would never punish you for something you didn't do. Student looks the teacher straight in the eye and says, that's great. Because I did not do my homework. This week's Soapbox uh, is about students that wear headphones even when they're trying to get information from you. It's so frustrating when a student walks up to you and says, Hey, uh, do you um, happen to know how to get this week's notes? Or do you have the homework from yesterday when I wasn't here? And they're jamming out to their Travis Scott or their, uh, I don't know, Takashi or something is in their ear. Maybe some Run DMC. Maybe they're a little old school. Maybe they got some Cole Porter in there, some Hamilton. I don't know. But they're jamming out in their ears, but they've asked you a question, and now you answer that question for them. 
and they make you repeat yourself because they weren't listening. I want to take those headphones, grab them, throw them down on the ground and stomp on them. But I know that that is not the appropriate behavior. Neither is keeping your freaking headphones in your ears when you are trying to engage in a conversation that is to your benefit. Asking a teacher a question about something that pertains to your grade is typically very important. So students, kids, take the headphones out of your ears when you're trying to have a conversation. I don't know how it's, I, I, I don't get it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the first of many Soapbox segments. I hope you enjoyed this one. I'll be back next week with another one. So once again, this week we have Hal Bowman on. Uh, he was gracious enough to again sit down for just a couple minutes and answer a couple questions that I had for him. I highly recommend that you check him out at halbowman.com. If you need some professional development done, even a couple hours, he's a certified professional development dude, and it's all really, really great, energetic, and will get you thinking about your classroom in a completely different way. So ladies and gentlemen, here's the one and only Hal Bowman. So here with Hal Bowman of uh, Teach Like a Rockstar, uh, just led a session at my school a week ago, a week ago today actually, and a full day, uh, and, and even had the science teachers looking up, so that's the kind of inspirational talk <laughs> it was. Uh, uh, no, no random underscores or anything. None of that, like that. brother. Um, so, but uh, I wanted to find out, he, he's got a different kind of energy, an energy that a lot of teachers kind of envy, uh, even after how, how long do you teach 20 years yeah man yeah so 20 years of teaching and still has this type of passion and energy that a lot of teachers are envious of try to dig deep down inside of their being to find that kind of energy when they're tired of the year uh so for new teachers old teachers veteran teachers it's i guess my main question for you is where does it come from you know what it is man i think and you're right man this is for new teachers old teachers because you know sometimes we, you know there's there's a first year teacher but also some I've met also teachers in their eighth year but they're an eight time first year teacher yeah. do you know what I mean they keep doing the same thing the same year over repeating it rather than you know progressing and growing and, and having that educator metamorphosis where they transform every year into something new and bigger and better but for me man like the passion you know I, I totally believe you know, I, I know sometimes think like, you know, people think that teaching a rock star is going to be like this cheerleader, rah, rah thing. But really, man, I am so clear about what I want for my kids. And I'm crystal clear about why I do this. Yeah. I think like that's the long term fuel. You know, when, when, I, when I do my thing in August and we get, you know, at the convocation and people are fired up, it's easy, man. Yeah. Because we haven't like you haven't met your kids yet. Yeah. Like you're not in the grind. No one talked about your mother. No one gave you the finger. I am so clear about what I want for my kid. Like I want. I want amazing people. I want to produce, I want to use the content of my classroom, whether it was band or science or language arts or PALS or teen leadership, it, it, it didn't matter, but use that as the vehicle to create a, a kid who's passionate about whatever their thing is and wants to use it to make a difference in the world. And even more than that, and like, and like, the, and like the what, that's the why, like, it's because I love them. Like, like I deeply love those, you know, people always ask, man, like, how can you love that kid? You don't even know that kid. Well, yeah, so like at first it's a verb. Like I love, like I force myself to love that kid. And after I love that kid long enough, I love the kid. 
what is a complaint that you get, not about you, but about, uh, I don't, I, I'm not gonna, not a complaint. I can't now in March, February, March, how am I supposed to get these kids back? You know what I mean? Yeah, man, here's the crazy thing I've realized about kids, is, and this is like the, one of my favorite things, is they are ridiculously resilient. Well, like the crate, like you can really shut it down. And I've done it, man. I've done, I can't, I would do it multiple times throughout a year in different classes where I'm at the, I'm, the door's locked, the bell rings, the one class leaves, I lock the door, the next class, they're, they're waiting to get in, but we're not going in. Cause like, we need to reset, man. Like I'm trying to create this family in this classroom where people love each other and they want to be a part of it, a, a part of something bigger than themselves and want to feel like they matter, feel like they're significant. But sometimes like when we lose that, we can reset and we'll meet right there in the hallway and talk about it before we go back into that, into our family room. We're gonna get reset. And that's the same thing with teaching. Like, you know, if, for example, if somebody wants to move from that old model of rules and regulations in the classroom into more of a, a, a classroom built on a core set of values that we design with our kids, dude, like that can happen the first day of school in August. It could happen on, the, on March 4th. It really doesn't matter. Like kids will buy in whatever, as long as you're deeply committed to it, they'll buy in immediately. Yeah. Again, I, I was saying that these new teachers, I've uh, got a lot of feedback from new teachers uh, asking any sort of advice, any yeah. sort of anything that, that, that they can be given that's going to motivate them uh, to just simply even stick around. Yeah, man. Man, here's, 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 here's why we lose them. And you're right, they don't stick around. And we lose 50% of teachers in their first five years. There's a 50% washout for educators. For, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like, this ain't for everybody. Yeah. And for them to realize it, like, you always say, man, that, that's my, my second favorite teacher. My first favorite teacher is the one who's committed to it and loves it and they're passionate about it. And is, this is going to be their life. But my second favorite, well, my real close to that, my second favorite teacher is the one that knows immediately this ain't for me and leaves that's awesome man go find your thing and do you do your passion just like we want to model for our kids but the thing for first-year teachers the reason it's so challenging is because this this is the only profession on the planet where we have the same expectations on their first day first second of their career as we do of a 25-year veteran like we expect the same results and dude the pressure of that we're talking about the leaders of tomorrow sitting in their classroom today, and they know that. And sometimes this is a 22-year-old kid, four years removed, and now they're the teacher. They've never done it before. They have these crazy expectations, and they have no idea. Because you, you can't learn to teach in college. You have to teach to learn how to teach. And so the pressure of that is unbearable. And I think we do an amazing job most of the times bringing kids into teaching like we get them fired up and we celebrate them back to we'd stand up and cheer for them you know welcome their first year teacher we but then as soon as day one starts and everybody gets caught up in their own grind we forget about that kid I, I know they're an adult I say kid because I'm old right but I but it's really it's four years out from being a kid and they're in the classroom and man I, I think we just don't do um, en enough for our first year teachers mentoring not just for the first year and not showing them how to log into to gradebook and check their email i'm talking about really mentoring that and not just professionally like personally and emotionally on how to handle this thing and if we, i think if we did a better job than, at that we'd, we'd keep a, a lot more of these kids and and like what i talked about at first with what i want for my kids and why i want it i think those are the conversations that need to be happening 
just about daily with our teachers to get them refocused and help them understand, yeah, man, we want to deliver the content for sure. We want to put the knowledge into the noggin, but remember why we're doing that. Because we want to create this amazing human being, high-performing kid of exceptional character that's going to go out and make a difference. That's why you happen to teach third grade or, or geography or English or whatever the content is. Everything, HalBowman.com and then all the social, everything is at Hal Bowman. So once again, I want to thank Hal Bowman for coming out and just spending a little bit of time with me. I'm sure we will have another Hal Bowman podcast in the future. You can check out his podcast. You can check out all of his information. Have him out for professional development. I highly recommend it. Uh, he was very good for us and was even engaging teachers that normally do not get engaged uh, partially because he's a big muscular guy, so I'm sure they were a little intimidated. Probably wanted to get his workout regimen, but whatever, you know, not all of us can be that gifted, I guess. But anyway, check him out. His message is very uplifting, very uh, full of energy. Uh, you will not be bored when you listen to anything that man has to say, as you could tell by just the couple of minutes that he was on this podcast. Everything he says is from his heart. His stories are great. They resonate with teachers because he experienced so much in his 20 years doing what he did, teaching all the levels that he did. Uh, he is a fine arts man. He's, he's a former band director. His daughter is in theater. Uh, his son hopefully will soon be in theater, according to him. And so it's just one of those things that he really gets the fine arts side of things. And I think that that is really one of the most important elements to being a successful teacher is just understanding the elective side, understanding the fine arts. It's super duper important to know where those kids from come from. Speaking of where those kids come from, a little segment with some high school kids that answered some questions candidly. This first question that they'd answered is, what kind of sacrifices have you made as a student in order to do theater on the high school level. So enjoy these answers. I wanted to say that I sacrifice um, doing schoolwork, like he said. How, okay, no, this may sound bad, but the teachers aren't gonna understand why you didn't do your homework. I, like, during musical season, we stay like late, like, um, and it's like, say we stay till eight o'clock the next morning, like the next day, I go to bed at 10, y'all. I don't have time to do my homework in an hour. So it's like, when I get to school and my homework isn't done, the teachers make excuses for football players, Facts. for cheerleaders, Facts. for yeah. So when it Great. comes to theater, they think the it's when it comes to theater, they don't understand that what we do is actual work. They think we're just teenagers running on stage, having this dream that we need to have a backup plan for because it may not work out. So yeah, I just think that's what I sacrifice, like homework, because I can't. I do theater outside of school also, and so the sacrifices I make is sometimes not being able to spend a lot of time with my family. If I'm not in theater, I'm at work. And I have work, whenever I'm at work, they hold me until midnight, one o'clock cleaning. And so I only have a social life on the days I have theater in the morning or afternoon time and I get whatever I slept over from theater to go have a, so like this week, for some reason my work didn't schedule me on Wednesday and Friday, the days I don't have rehearsals. And those are the first days I've had to myself in almost a year. Because if I'm not doing theater, I'm at work trying to make sure I get my hours in so I don't get fired. And um, it's also a sacrifice that 
not only I made, but also my sister, who's older than me and already graduated, she did theater as well. And so back to the family aspect, my parents were already used to it, but I didn't realize it as a kid because I would stay up to the time that she got home. But my parents didn't see her a lot when she did it, and she doesn't see, and they don't see me a lot either nowadays. Like, I come home either from rehearsals or work. After my parents have gone to bed, I have to go in and wake them up to let them know I got home safe. And then they pass back to sleep, and I go into my room and try to do homework or just pass out on my bed. But So I haven't eaten with my family. The family dinners I get is whenever they come into my work and eat with me at work whenever I'm on my break. That's my family dinners for the past while. When I started getting into theater in high school, the like my health declined, like, no, not in like a weird way, but like in what I was eating, and I started eating horribly, absolutely horribly, because like trying to drive home, like I don't have time to like go home, cook a good meal, and my family's already eaten, and I eat different things than my family does. So it's like, it's so hard to be like healthy and like make conscious decisions about like what I'm eating and like doing any kind of like physical exercise or something. And so I like think that honestly, that's a thing that I think is really, really important to me that I have sacrificed for theater. And I understand it wouldn't, it's not necessarily like an important thing that everybody sacrifices, but it's just like a priority to me that I've had to put on hold and had to like struggle to like keep a priority because of theater and how much time I spent. Last year I had um, these friends and they used to complain a lot that they're like, oh, I have theater, I can't hang out with you. I have theater, I can't hang out with you. And they got so mad at me. And I was like, and I like, after theater, most people would go home or go to sleep, but I, I try to make time for them and go out with them. And they still complain. They were like, well, you're always tired from theater and whatever. And I'm just like, just leave me alone. And now they're like, in my past life, I do not have them this year. So thank you. So there you are. Those kids answered these questions, and there, and there are a lot more questions that we asked them. They'll be on throughout the next few weeks on the podcast, and we'll get some more kids coming on here giving their answers but I thought it was interesting this week the sacrifices that those kids make you know we all make sacrifices in our our life uh, but with fine arts and with theater and with high school and with education you know theater teachers of course make sacrifices on a daily basis the married theater teachers that have kids they sacrifice not seeing their families not seeing the families they even go home to they leave when the sun is down they come home when the sun is down and then they're the single directors where my single directors at and they have trouble just getting uh, out and not being single anymore and socializing because there's so many hours that we put in after school and I know it's cliche and, and, and a lot of teachers do that but really theater is one of those things that encompasses everything we are there from 30 minutes before the first bell to hours after the last bell and then on the weekends we're there it's just insane. Well, don't forget that you're also there with your students, and those students are there with you. Some of those kids have some rough home lives. Some of those kids have to also work on top of being a full-time student, and so the sacrifices they make are almost just as, if not dramatic as ours. So it is it is something that we need to keep in our minds at the forefront so that 
in case we are having a bad day, we can look at those kids and be like, you might be having a worse day. I don't know what you did yesterday. The one student that said that he's at work till 12 or 1 o'clock can barely do his homework if he can do his homework because he's got to work for his family. And I get that. As a uh, When I was growing up, I too had to work. I worked at a children's toy store, and that's why I'm so good at wrapping gifts. But that is one of those things that a lot of kids have to do, and you have to remember that. As my kids are screaming in the background right now, I don't know if you can hear that or not, but it's great. Moving on to the final little interview, this is with Jay Thomas. He is at San Jacinto Central, and he is a local contest manager, contest manager extraordinaire. We sat down right before going to the Elimination Chamber and talked about nothing theater or education related. Curtain call. So we're sitting in his office, and it's surrounded by... Uh, or decorated by a ton of sports uh, memorabilia. The, it's it's very confusing. Um, hey, but it's it is organized. No, no, no. I'm not talking about. Oh no, it's very organized. Oh, okay, okay, elite. okay. It's, it's great. But if you're a sports fan, it's confusing. Right. So it's the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes. The Alabama Crimson Tide. Yes. The Houston Astros. Yes. And most notably, the Green Bay Packers. Yes. Am I missing anything? Uh, well, there's a rocket section. There's a oh, small there's a rocket, rocket section. section. Yeah, yeah. Too. yeah. No WNBA. No WNBA. No. <laughs> no. No. When no. they left, I left. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Once, once the w, once the comets left, you were like, I was gone. I'm taking my stuff down. Yeah. I can't handle this. Taking it. Um, okay. And then there's a, there's some Tiger Woods down there at the bottom. And he's the reason I got into. Well, my my dad, my grandfather's the reason I started playing golf, but. Uh, it was about the same time that he came on the scene, so he's my favorite golfer. So, and also full disclosure, when I walked in, your wife was sleeping to footage of Tiger Woods. She will, yes. I have the golf <laughs> tournament on. I'm flipping back and forth between okay. the golf tournament so and clearly, the Penguins game. Clearly, she's so. not as big of a fan. No, no. Um, he wasn't in the lead, so she decided she could take a nap. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, can I? I I have personally asked you this before, but can I ask why the Penguins? Sure, yeah. Um, obviously, Houston doesn't have a hockey team, a professional yeah. hockey team. Uh, Alabama's the or only... Any, or any hockey Or any hockey team, right, no, yeah. They used to have the Arrows. Yeah. Um, and it's the only hockey game I've ever been to was the AHL All-Star game when it was in the Summit back in the day. Um, but yeah, so I... Um, when I was young and I was super into sports, I realized I didn't have a hockey team. I needed to pick a hockey team. And I probably just turned it on ESPN and the Penguins were playing and Mario Lemieux was yeah. playing. Yeah. I was like... This guy's awesome, yeah. and that that so was, was my uh, team. Was Yager with them? Yager was with them. Yeah, it was probably ninety three, ninety four. Still playing at age sixty five. Not in the <laughs> NHL, but I'm sure he's got to pick up games somewhere. <laughs> so, but I got lucky with him and Sidney Crosby. I don't know how many people that are listening to this even know who Sidney Crosby is, but he's basically the I next Lemieux. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if anybody's listening to this. Right now. Um, the Crimson Tide have to do with my grandfather. Oh, grandfather. Uh, he okay. actually, yeah. He, and there was a male figure. He went to the University of Alabama, um, okay. and there's actually a building on campus. Name, it's a room, excuse me, uh, in the School of Dentistry at the <laughs> University of Alabama named after him. Um, and so he's a humongous Alabama fan. Um, he was born in Cuba, and, and that's a whole another two-hour podcast, but uh, came over to, uh, to Alabama and uh, became a huge fan, had n- no idea what football was, and, and loved it. Became friends with Bear Bryant, and I have an autographed picture of Bear Bryant um, yeah. to my grandfather that I took when he passed on. Uh, and so Alabama was not even a choice growing up in my life. I was he, wearing he, Alabama diapers. He sent that to your grandfather? Well, my, he met Bear Bryant, 
and he autographed it for him. Okay. Uh, he was a member of this Monday morning quarterback, yeah. and he would go to all these meetings, and Bear Bryant would come and talk, and then eventually uh, new head coaches, Gene Stallings, Nick Saban, and stuff like that. He wasn't he had passed on before Nick Saban became the head coach, um, but he would go to all these luncheons and things, mm-hmm. uh, and he met Bear Bryant several times and has several things autographed, and that was one thing that I got when he passed on. That's and, cool. And so it's pretty neat. Um, but, yeah, like I said, no, I had no choice with Alabama football. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I didn't. But uh, my mom is really big. She comes over and watches all the Alabama games yeah. uh, during the season. And so it's uh, it's really good. And then Green Bay is just, again. Yeah, so this is where Tim Monroe turns off the podcast because he gives me a hard time <laughs> every time we talk about football. Uh, so I was an Oiler fan. And then when they yeah. left, I didn't want to follow them to Tennessee. I didn't want to be a Titan fan. It's kind of, you know, hurt yeah. about that. Well, yeah, I understand that. And so I needed another football team. I'm big into sports. i got to have a team for every major uh, major sport. And so I caught on to Brett Favre because he played like I played in my front yard. Uh, just run around, you know, yeah. draw the play up in the yeah. dirt. And so I was like, I like this guy. I became a Packer fan. And then so Tim says, well, we have a football team now. So how come you're not a yeah. Texans fan? Well, I, I married this team. I'm not just going to... Yeah you know, divorce you because someone else moved in now. I'm, I'm committed to this team, There's and an that's my team. Make for that, though. Well, <laughs> we, can, we can argue all day long, but we had a, what, a 10-year wedding or a 10-year yeah. marriage here, and uh, yeah. then the Texans came in expect me just to leave them high and dry. And if you've converted your wife to being a, a Packers fan? Or right, not? not much conversion. Um, she she really, she wasn't a sports fan, so when we got together, she was like, okay, I guess I like Alabama, and I like yeah. the Packers, and so, yeah. wow. and I mean, she liked that explains through the all Astros. Of tattoos, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, not, not much conversion there, right. and um, we'll see how my kids go. And so, and then wrestling, so that's why I'm here, so, so Jay and I are about to go to, uh, WWE's Elimination Chamber will probably leave here in the next 20, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, get off the roads. So, so We're we can, going. <laughs> so, so we can stay in the line with a bunch of people that uh, probably don't have full-time jobs. Right. Um, and have been there since 8 this morning, and, and, probably. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll probably be some of the best-smelling people there. But uh, So we're going Best-looking, too, I'd say. Maybe. But uh, anyway, they. Um, uh, so that's how Jay and I became... Friends outside of UIL, I would say. Or that's how we bonded. Yeah. I don't remember what accidentally happened. But oh, I, I know. I know. Well, I remember your expression. So I remember your okay. like your moment of, oh my gosh, right. this guy is also an out of your the moment of discovery wrestling tie, fan. Tie yeah. theater back in here. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, And so I don't remember you. you can I know, dude. I I was there for um, rehearsals. I was at school (laughs) at Dallas High School for rehearsals. Oh yeah, I was was there. there. Good story. Good, good job. I was there for uh, official UIO rehearsals, and I needed uh, access to a computer. And you gave me access to your computer, and I needed your I needed your password, and you gave it to me, and it was something to do with Jericho. It's no longer Jericho. Right. It has something to do with his kids. His sure. Yeah. Yeah. Your daughter it's, had a good day, and she ranked child. in priority. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to beat my child one. <laughs> number. Yeah. So, yeah, it was Jericho something, and I was like, is this for Chris Jericho? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, boom. Yeah. No, now it's we're... religiously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And now we're going to Elimination Chamber. We've been to Raw, yeah. and now we've been to, we're going to Elimination yeah. Chamber. And we've never, we've never watched an event on a screen before. 
You and I have never gotten together to do that. Right, like right. like on TV. Yeah, we've, mm-hmm. it's, it's a live or nothing. Right, live or nothing for us. <laughs> and and f- full plans to go to Rumble. Yeah, yeah, twenty twenty. If you're if you yeah. don't know, Minute uh, Maid is going to host a twenty twenty Royal. Already Rumble. told the wife. So, oh. sorry. We're going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we're trying to get front row. Front row. Trying. We're trying Oof. to do front row. Uh, Blake made a now. promise to me. <laughs> I've never sat front row at a pay per view. I'm glad I just took out another loan. Uh, <laughs> and Blake has, and so he said, "I'll tell. I'll make sure that we do it before you die." <laughs> I have. I don't remember which which pay per view was, but I want to say it was an in your house. But uh, okay. But they started giving names to the in your house pay per view. Yeah. So yeah. After like, a while. Yeah. In your house, St. Valentine's yeah. Day. Beware um, of Dog was one that I remember too. And beware then, of Dog. Beware of Dog. I think British Bulldog was in the oh, main event or yeah, something. Yeah, because they had Rock Bottom. In right. House rock Bottom. Right. Right. They right. Had a Vader one that Vader wasn't even on. <laughs> um, it was. Uh, it's time in your house. It's okay. Time. Okay. No Vader. Well, the yeah. Beware of Dog. Um, in the middle of the broadcast, like something happened with the cameras, and if you got it on pay per view, it just shut off. Really? And so I don't know if it was the next day or a week later, they picked up the pay per view where it cut off, and so it was Beware of Dog Two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my the first pay per view I ever saw, uh, it's what got me into wrestling, was WrestleMania Seven, okay. which is Hogan and Slaughter, on sure. the L.A. Coliseum, um, and I watched it at a friend's house, and I had to leave, like it was time for me to go to bed or go home and so my mom called me I was like what so I had to go home and I asked her I didn't get to see the finish so I asked her what nine eight nine years old yeah yeah something like that um and I I asked her there's a replay can you record the can we buy the pay-per-view for Tuesday or whatever and she said okay well I had to I had a bedtime I had to go to bed and so she was recording it for me now you know full disclosure my parents don't care for wrestling they don't like it at all whatever uh, and she was recording it for me when I went to bed, and it was back in the day, VHS, obviously, and she had the remote control in her hand, and she fell asleep, and she hit stop. <laughs> and so, again, for the second time, I didn't get to see the main event. I was so upset. I don't know when I finally, you did know, you, get to see it. Did you do tapes? Did you trade tapes or do anything like that? Yeah. Oh, I had a dresser full of VHS tapes, because every one I'd get, I'd yeah. record, and they were in chronological order, yeah. top shelf, middle shelf, bottom shelf. It was insane. I mean, at one point, I probably had over 100 VHS tapes of just wow. recorded pay-per-views. And when, when my wife and I moved from our apartment to our first house is when I made the decision to, to get rid of them. You didn't try to digi- digitize them? No, I didn't. I know. And so the moving guys took them. I guess, well, you also have... Yeah, the network now, so I have them. Vince McMahon has done it. Let me, I I mentioned that my parents aren't huge wrestling fans. My mom was was the best parent in the world, I do have to say. She supportive. She was very supportive, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they didn't watch it, but very supportive. Um, And I remember distinctly, she took me to some dark matches in uh, in the Summit. And um, Hogan, I think it might have been Hogan and Andre the Giant were the main event or whatever. But she brought a book. And read her book while I watched. I had to been ten years old or something while I watched the the event. But you know, Speaking she was super which, supportive. For those of you that don't know, it, probably again not listening at this <laughs> point. But dark matches. You, you did you mean house show? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I apologize. You're I was right. Going to say yeah. going to a bunch of. You just went to the dark. Dark <laughs> <matches. laughs> I left when the live pay per view came on. That's right. Thanks. 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 Hey, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Ready to go. Let's go. <laughs> I've already seen the the yeah. jobber. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I went to the house show, uh, which okay. is a, a, a non-televised event. Do you remember, where, where did, you, did you say where it was? It was it? in the summit. It was yeah. in the summit. Yeah, in the summit. Which is now, what, Lakewood Church? Is that? 
It's yeah, Liquid yeah. Church. Joel Osteen's yeah. wonderful Liquid Church. <laughs> so thank you, Jay Thomas. I appreciate you coming on again. He's gonna he's gonna be on. Uh, in the near future, most likely, talking about specifically UIL One Act Play in the state of Texas, uh, because he knows everything, everything there is to know about UIL One Act Play. Uh, we were being kind of quiet in his office because his entire family, wife included, were asleep taking naps. Oh, living the dream, you know, able to take a nap. Uh, and then when we were done, we headed out of there and stood in line for an hour and went inside the Toyota Center, most affectionately known as The Yo, and watched a bunch of sweaty men grapple and fight over a purse while wearing underwear. It was amazing watching the Elimination Chamber. It was really great. We are not closeted wrestling fans. We are completely out of the closet and proud of it. Again, thank you, Jay. Thank you, Hal Bowman. Make sure you are tweeting at me, Mr. Blake Miner. You are finding me on Facebook, Minor Wisdom. Uh, you can even email me, blake.minor at gmail.com. Uh, hopefully this week's episode was a little more lively than in the past. This is the direction we're going. This is the Minor Wisdom that you all are going to get to know. I want to thank everybody for their feedback, their criticism, their constructive criticism, their negative criticism, all that. Have a great week. Minor.